three, two, one. So even if you were working full time, you should have a business because that's going to offset your taxes. So we've all heard the more you make, the more they take. When you go from making 40,000 to making 100,000, you're in a different tax bracket. And if you're single, you're really getting hit upside the head with that because you don't have kids. Don't go out here and have kids just to offset your taxes either. Don't just get married for the tax purposes either. But like, you're going to get hit really hard, man. It's really learning how to structure your life like a business in a sense, creating that what's the idea you're going to have? What kind of LLC are you going to establish your LLC? You're going to be a sole proprietor and then making sure that you're taking advantage of all the different things that at your job, right? morning, good evening, and good afternoon, and welcome to yet another edition of Techniche Tips. I'm your host, Joseph M. Smith, and like always, I got another one for you. That's right. And so if you have been enjoying the journey, like always, I ask if you could please, that does great things for the channel, especially if there's a video or you find a video before that was great to you, or if this video means something to you. The second thing I'm going to ask is that you use the comment section as your notebook. That's right. Write down notes, write down points. I want to come on family. You the church right now. You're like, whenever something is being said that you're like, oh, that's good. Let us know in the comment section below. And also you could turn back to your notes here as a reference, as you listen to the conversation. And so right now I have a friend of mine on the stage who's, who has been helping people, talking about his journey to being a solutions architect. He's also a content creator and he wants to really help people specifically in the area of basically leveraging their jobs or incomes to financially be free. And with that being said, I'm going to bring another brother from another mother, right? <laughs> Mr. Lee Smith. Welcome to the stage, Mr. Smith. What's going on? What's going on? Listen, thank you for having me, man. I'm going to go and check. I feel like we might be related. It's possible, but we'll find out. You cool dude. So I figured we got to be related somehow, man. But again, just thanks for having me here. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, man, did we come through Ghana? I don't know. You never know, man. You never know the triangle trade, man. You know, I'm not going to go there. You never know. You never know. I'm excited to have you, Lee, because I know the conversation is going to be a lot where people are going to be like, where's my notebook? Where's my pen? We're going to talk about some stuff here. Taking notes, too. (laughs) (laughs) With that being said, I just want to say a reminder to anybody that is new, we start from the boots going to the brain, the boots being symbolic of the journey one takes to get to where Lee is, and the brain is symbolic of not only the mindset someone needs to have to be where lee is but to also scale from there so without further ado we're going to take it way back back to the very beginning because the beginning is a good place to start and i would love to you to talk about where you were raised born raised and to lead up to where you are right now it all began let's see here no i'm just kidding no seriously though now so i'm born in jacksonville florida i'm a florida boy been here my whole life and sometimes I try to escape, but it's cool, it's whatever. But I kind of grew up in the hood, which I think a lot of people grew up in the hood. But they didn't let that really, I didn't let that mindset. Like I got lucky, I was fortunate. A lot of people I grew up with didn't have the opportunities that I got. I got to go to these magnet schools and go to these college prep schools because I was gifted or whatever from an academic perspective, or at least by what they said I was. And with that, I kind of got the opportunity to go to some schools, like to a college preparatory high school called Stanton College Prep in Jacksonville. 
and that really kind of opened my eyes up to the possibilities that oh there is an opportunity like i would hear people in my in my classes they would talk about these 401ks or had all these trust fund baby classmates and everything i didn't understand what they were talking about but it really expanded my mind to start thinking about man what is this this, this thing about money like this scarcity doesn't have to be like i don't have to remain poor i don't have to remain a product of my environment so that kind of what led me to decide you know what i want to make some changes i'm going to go to college i'm going to be the first generation and the first person in my family to go to college so i went to university of south florida in tampa literally the moment i turned 18 like i i took off running i was like i'm not going i'm not going, I'm not going to stay in jacksonville the family you no know, shout out to y'all i love y'all but i love you from a distance but it just was the mindset i had to kind of really escape that and really find just some diverse uh, way of thinking and a, a more expanded way of thinking so Spent some time, that was 2008, went to USF or University of South Florida in Tampa, graduated there, and I went up to Florida State in Tallahassee for my master's program. And that's when I made the decision that I should do it. I was in law school and I was in doing the public administration master's as well. And I realized, I was like, you know what, this law school thing, I don't want to be in debt for this big old law degree and everything. So I decided to just go ahead and go full in on being, getting a master's in public administration, which my concentration was really in financial management. Then I got another degree in finance as well. And that really went back to what I was saying earlier about wanting to understand money a little bit different. I really want to think about that stuff from a perspective that I hadn't been exposed to. Graduated from there, got my first job out of college. And I've always, you're going to hear there's a common theme. I always get these jobs where I didn't have the experience to do them. But on my first job out of college, I was managing the budget for a federal government agency, like $30 million budget. I was 25. And it was like crazy because I was like, man, are you sure you want to hire me? Because all I have is some internship experience. But I interviewed well, they gave me a chance and it ended up being, you know, good for them as well. I streamlined a lot of different things and that. If we're going from the beginning there, it really began there for me, like with the financial piece of it. Here I am managing this budget and managed it for five years, actually. And then it hit me more and I was like, all right, you know what? I can't like keep working like this way or stay in this one position, expect to grow the way I want to grow, right? So I can't, I need to have a business. I need to have some kind of form of income. And I've always had a business. I've always been in entrepreneurship in some form, but when I got to that job, that's when I realized more so, like, okay, I need to take this income I'm making and I need to funnel this into something else. I need to create something different because I can't pass down this job. So from there, I left my job. I quit my job. I've quit two jobs, actually two good jobs, right? <laughs> and people would say, man, like you left a good job to go and pursue doing real estate. I went in and I started doing real estate full time. And man, it's crazy, man. It did not go well. It, like it started off really good. It started off really great, actually. Made, made a lot of money in the beginning, but after a while, it just didn't work out. But again, like everything, you learn a lesson from it. So went from there to cybersecurity job. I started working in a cybersecurity firm. Same thing, no experience cybersecurity, but networked my way in. And then I quit my job again to pursue another business as a mobile notary and a signing agent with me with my wife. And then from there, that failed as well. And then here I am now. I made a decision that kind of leads to how I got into technology. It was October of 2021, actually. And I remember we were having the worst business month ever. Like the income was just so low for our family. And I made a decision, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and switch into technology. And then from there, that's kind of smooth selling from there. Not smooth selling, but from there, I became a solutions architect. My first tech job 
from being an entrepreneur was working for AWS, which I work for Amazon Web Services now as solutions architect. Well, that's a journey. <laughs> that's that's a, quite that's a journey. Not, that's a short version. That's a short version, right? <laughs> I'm all about peeling back the onion. And so short or long, we definitely want to go deeper into some of these things. So I'm going to go back to when you said you went to school with people that were trust fund babies or doing well. Now, yeah. when you said that, I thought about Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because right. of the fact that he lived in a home with a father that thought a certain way, had a government job. And then he had another father, his friend's father, who was basically an entrepreneur and business person. So from your time being in school, what did you observe from those students that were your pupils about money? And what, what made you, I know you said that it intrigued you, but can you go a little deeper there? What really yeah. did intrigue you about money at that time, stage of your life? I think for me at this point in time, with when it came to money, everything was more so you didn't have enough of it. And when you had enough of it, Chris, Christmas was good. You had a good Christmas, got some good, some Jordans, some got something you really spent, spent, right? And it was this mindset of everyone lived paycheck to paycheck that I knew. No one really had like a, a savings. Every time there was a savings, the emergency fund was gone. No one had an emergency fund. And what I was observing is that there would be people like in my school where there, it was really subtle. Like you knew they were wealthy, but it was so subtle. Like you're like, oh, they're wearing this brand shirt and this brand of shirt. And then you find out, oh, that little symbol there, that's a $200 shirt. But I'm rocking, wearing my rock of wear or whatever. It's loud, it's big, wearing throwback jerseys. So really when I kind of long story short there is that I noticed that the way we treated money was differently. So like they were thinking of ways and how to make more money. Like the conversations they were having, they were being financially educated. Like I would literally be sitting in the cafeteria, sitting at tables with some of, the, some of my classmates and they would talk about these, how their parents are paying them uh, in their business, even though they aren't really working for them, but they're giving them this paycheck and they're investing that money into this Roth IRA. And I was like, Roth IRAs, 401k, like all these different acronyms. Like, what are y'all even talking about? But the difference was like they, had paid off vehicles, but they, they were coming to school in some of the nicest cars, man. And, you know, me, I was sitting there trying to figure out, like, how am I going to save a vehicle? But I realized that these people were like leveraging money, like they were leveraging it. And we were just kind of, I was learning to just spend it. <laughs> so it really made me look at things differently. Look, how do I create a business around these people who have money? So that's kind of where my first businesses really started. It was like, oh, these, all these young kids got money. So I'm going to find a way to make some money from them, <laughs> selling candy and all that thing. <laughs> Smart, smart. Your entrepreneurship wheels started turning at that age. That That is very good to know. Quick question, though. What made you decide to let me pursue being a lawyer? Was it simply because of the amount of money you can make or was it going back to the idea of leverage? So it actually was it was two twofold. Right. So one thing I know, I'm like a little bit of an activist. Right. I've kind of since I've had a family, I've chilled a little bit on it. But I was kind of like the little Malcolm X in my neighborhood going into politics. And I really was my, my goal was to go into politics at that time. So I really was going to in my mind, I had, oh, I, to go into politics, I need to be a lawyer. I need to have a law degree. I need to understand this. And the school I went to, we had the opportunity to college prep school. So we chose like our majors early on. So like I had a major of doing public administration and doing government that. And then the second part was like, yeah, man, I can make a bunch of money being a lawyer. I need to make a bunch of money. And that, cause that's all you really knew is like your family's telling you, you need to go to college you need to be a doctor, you need to be an attorney. I didn't really know of anything else outside of that. So I was like, I'm gonna do that. Hey there, thank you so much for watching this video. This video is actually sponsored by Course Careers. So whether you're interested in breaking in as a tech sales representative, if you're interested in actually doing IT or digital marketing, not only do they have free introductory courses for you right now, go to the description and check that out, but they also have $50 off that you could get 
through me, Joseph50. That's right, $50 off through Joseph50. So if you're interested in getting into that course, any which one, whether it's, again, tech sales, IT, or digital marketing, look no further. Go down to the description below, click on the link, and sign up right now. What are you waiting for? Nice, nice. Yeah, so I think that that shows that as we go along our journey, we pick up things, we, <laughs> we just pick up little things and we try different things. And that's good. Sometimes we try things and we're like, this is it. And sometimes we're like, oh, this is a piece to the puzzle for other things. So no, I think yeah. that's, that's awesome. And so you talked about it. You talked about going into re leaving a, a good paying job to go into real estate notary. Now, a lot of people are interested in real estate, especially those that are entering into tech because they want to leverage their income to you do other side things such as be in real estate or own their own business. Can you talk a little bit about your experiences in real estate? All right, man. All right. So it's funny you bring up Robert Kiyosaki. That's actually how I got involved into real estate. He has a like an education program where they walk you through a lot of this information and educate you on real estate. So at the time, I think it was like my now wife, she had told me about this session about learning about real estate investing. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Because I, I, at the time I had a business with a group of other guys where we were helping people get business credit and then teaching them, teach them how to leverage business credit to then invest in real estate. But at the time, I didn't really know how anything about investing in real estate. There's a couple of people on my team, like in the business that knew about it, but everything was still new to me. So I was like, all right, you know what? I don't like not knowing things. So I'm going to figure this out. You start diving deep. And of course you hear all the things about, man, real estate is the, is the, has made the most millionaires of all other industries. And of course you start to see like dollar signs, right? So this is where I kind of take it. This is like a cautionary tale in a sense, right? One thing you all are going to hear a lot is about using good debt versus bad debt. And that's really loaded. It's going to depend on your circumstances. This concept of other people's money or OPM when it comes to real estate investing is a dangerous game. So I feel led to tell you all this one because that was my experience. I had a really, really early on great experience in real estate. But of course, as you're leveraging so much debt and you're leveraging so much other people's money, you owe that money back, right? Mm. So I was, I was blessed in that God allowed me to be able to sell all those properties and you know, make a profit and get out of it before I lost my shirt. But listen, there was a lot of, there's a lot of sharks in it. There's a lot of, just, it's bad, man. It's really bad, but there's still a lot of opportunity. So what I, what that taught me was like, okay, if you're going to invest in real estate, have cash, like cash is king, right? You want to mm -hmm. have, you want to be able to leverage cash. If you're going to invest in real estate in some way, do it in more, you know, creative ways. Like I actually specialize in creative financing. So like house hacking, right? If you want to get your first property, get you a duplex and rent out half of it. You stay in the other half. Eventually you'll live in and that, and then at some point you'll move out by another house and then you can put someone in that one. Now you got your first rental property. So it's a slow marathon game. I think a lot of us are so quick to make money in it that we speed to it too much, but you yeah. know, it's fun that you bring up the part about the uh, leaving my good job, right? Everyone at my job and I was leaving the federal government, they're like, what? No one leaves this job. You're going to, this is a job you retire in. No one leaves this. And I just, I, mean, I couldn't imagine staying in the same job for 30 years making like five thousand two thousand dollar little increases a year here and there for this slow burn 40 years retirement and still not having enough money so that's kind of what made me decide i needed to find something like entrepreneurship is going to be the way for me to really achieve financial freedom in a sense wow wow that is such a lot to unpack there so if you're watching this definitely yeah, go yeah. back and listen to some of those cautionary tales listen to some of what lee just said listen, because <laughs> you could use that right like that that's knowledge mm -hmm. that you could use right away mm -hmm. oh man so with that being said 
you went into entrepreneurship. You said there were a lot of sharks in the water. You did notary business. And then you said you were able to pivot to become a solutions architect, which for some who don't know, that is another word out of the thousands of other phrases that are used for sales <laughs> engineers. Yeah. So how did that happen? Because that is one of the question marks a lot of people have. I know I had Ramsey on that talked about that and he's a coach to you. The coach, he coaches people to become sales engineers. So I just want you to talk a little bit about how did you, how were you able to pivot and find your place with a big tech company, if we may say so yeah. as well. How were you able to transition to be a solutions architect? No, that's a good question, man. And that's, I mean, that's what we're all here for, right? It's interesting to kind of take you back a little bit on that history. I had left my cybersecurity job and cybersecurity, I was working for a cybersecurity firm, but I wasn't necessarily doing technical stuff. So I, I like to make sure people know that like it wasn't a tech job, just was for a tech company. So that's another thing people don't realize that like, you can break into tech without being in a tech job, but that's no need to hear nor there. I quit my job. I went into doing this notary business and it was great, man. In the beginning, like it was like, oh, I'm making 10 grand a month, man, 12 grand a month. Me and my wife, 20 grand a month, some months. It was like, it was great. Like it was amazing. And then it wasn't because it still, again, is dependent upon real estate. At this time, we we're kind of coming out of the pandemic. There were all these interest rates that had went down. A lot of people were refinancing their homes. So there was a lot of opportunity out there for you to do all these refinance signings and get paid. But then that slowed down. That really slowed down. Everyone pretty much got refinanced. And then I realized, okay, you know what? I'm so tired of, because there's a difference between being a business owner, right? And being self-employed. Robert Kiyosaki talks about that too with this quadrant. You have your employees, self-employed, business owner, investor. No matter what, I still was staying on that left side of the quadrant where it was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I've been self-employed twice. I've been an employee, but essentially that's the same thing. You're either an employee mm. for someone else yep. or you're self-employed for yourself. But even then, at least you don't even get PTO when you work for yourself. <laughs> at least you get benefits for other people. Yeah. So I learned, I was like, man, you know what? Like being self-employed is not what I want to be. Like I want to be a business owner. I want to create something that I can McDonaldize in a sense where I can duplicate myself and I don't have to actually be in it. But I didn't really learn that until I was going through that process. So mm. anyway, I was like, you know what? I need something that makes me some money, guaranteed income that is high paying and I can use that to invest in creating that thing I want to create versus trying to have the stress of providing for a family. Because again, I have kids and I'm married. Playing those games, you can play it. So October 2021, it was the worst month we had in our business. And then October 2021, I was like, you know what? Let me go online and figure out what are some six-figure jobs I can get with no experience. And I looked online, I saw someone say something about, oh yeah, six months to get into cloud. You can work in a cloud job, you work for a cloud company and get some certifications. And in six months, you're going to be getting that role and you're good to go. You're going to make six figures. Now, often when you hear things like this, if it's too good to be true, it's usually, it usually is, right? But this is actually one of those situations where it's like, oh, wow, like this is actually legitimate, right? The difference is for me, it didn't take me six months. So October 2021, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go into technology. I'm going to go into cloud. I'm going to be a solutions architect. And then October 2026, October 26 of October 2021, I applied for my job at AWS. I got my assessment. They're like, oh, here, you got to do this assessment. I did my assessment. And then they said I did so well on the assessment that I skipped the phone screen and I went straight to a final interview. Now this whole time I'm like, what? Uh -huh. like, how, how in the world is this happening? So this is wow. right here's my testimony to God, of course. Like I'm definitely, I tell you this because this is definitely for glory to God on this one. Wow. But literally got to my phone, my final interview on November 19th, had my interviews. And then the same day I got offered a job you know, for AWS. And I started December 6th. So within a month of me actually making a decision 
to go into technology. I got into technology and I didn't have any certifications. I didn't have any experience at all. Now, what I did realize as I look back on that, what I did have was like networking, like experience. Like I, mm. I really, I realized like, I was like, oh, you know what? There's this common theme. Every job I've ever had, when I worked at federal government, I didn't have any experience. All I had was six months of internship. When I worked for cybersecurity, I didn't work for, have cybersecurity experience. But what I did have in all of those roles is that I networked with someone. Like I, I met someone in those organizations and I was like pretty, I would say I was pretty aggressive in my networking as far as getting into these companies because I realized that, like, you know what? Mm. I, I don't have the technical know-how, but I know I have the transferable skills because we mm. get so focused on this whole thing about no experience. And that's not really, what does that even mean? Because when you first get your job at McDonald's, you never worked at McDonald's. So you didn't have experience in it. You had to sell yourself and your transferable skills. Yeah. It's really no different than with tech, cybersecurity, federal government, finance, like any of those things. You don't have any experience until you've done the job. You know, when I had my interview, I really just literally my whole interview, I talked about my real estate experience, my federal government experience, but I had to, I really highlighted like, what were the actual skills, like what are they looking for here? So for anyone who knows what a solutions architect does or a sales engineer does, you think about we're part of the pre-sales organization or part of post-sales. Given that real quick, an SDR or a sales development rep, let's say if it's for a software company, will prospect, you'll get some qualified leads. That person's gonna then pass on that lead to an account executive. And then that account executive is gonna then set up a discovery call or a demo with a solutions architect or a solutions engineer, sales engineer, all the different millions of terms that you have out there. Now, what does that really come down to? So like demoing something like, okay, it's still sales, it's pre-sales, right? It's the ability to communicate, present well, it's being likable, building relationships. Really, that's all it comes down to. It's really, it's those skill sets because anyone can learn technology, but I can't teach you soft skills. Like you can't learn the basics like of communications that you could, you can polish yourself, but it's a little bit different. It's one of those things you either have it or you don't. So just kind of look at it from that way. Ooh, that's good. That's good. A lot of meat and potatoes in there. A lot of meat and potatoes <laughs> in there. Okay. So I'm hearing the questions that they're saying in the back. I hear you guys. I hear you guys. So the questions that they're having right now is, okay, let's go back to that assessment. Like how did, what did you do on that assessment to really win them over? And you basically said that your story about your experience in the federal government, your story about your experiences, and basically trying to answer what they need based off of your experience and transferable skills. What did you say about the finding moment for you where you were able to leverage those things? Or do you feel like it was more that you did in your assessment? No, so I would say it was even, so the assessment, I'm just gonna say that was God, right? Because a lot of it was soft skills, but there was also a technical component. And to be honest with you, if for anyone who's listening, who knows the cloud, like who knows like AWS services, like I barely knew the basic core services. I could, I barely knew like the acronyms, like EC2, I think that stands for something, right? I didn't even know that yet. There was a lot of soft skill aspects to it. And I think that's what I decided in was the uh, communications pieces, the analytical reasoning, the logical part. But I think where the defining moment really happened was actually during interviews. So like when I prepared for my interviews, what I decided was like, oh, you know what, I'm gonna focus on telling a story here. Because I think right now, like they're probably like, oh, you know what, we're gonna take a chance. We're not expecting much, but we're interviewing, whatever. Whatever it is, I need to take this opportunity to really show them what my story like is and like how that's gonna work. So as I said earlier, every job I've ever had, I didn't have experience for it. Now, I highlighted that, hey, listen, you weren't the first job that I'm gonna get 
that I haven't had experience for. But you will be the same, but you will be another job that I also excelled in if I get it. So just like those other jobs, like I, I didn't have experience working for federal government, but in those five years, I was one of the top performers. I was the top performer actually. And I streamlined so many processes there. So I earned my keep. So you give me the job, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna do what I need to do there. Same thing with cybersecurity. I had never had cybersecurity experience, never had been an IT auditor before. And in less than a year, I was promoted to a senior IT auditor. Getting promotions, selling in those areas in all these different roles that I've never worked in before. Like, I want you to see there's a common theme. So I explained to them, like, there's this common theme that I have done all of this throughout my entire career. And if I get hired with you, it won't be any difference because I have a proven track record of it selling in whatever role I'm in. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what a role is, I'll learn what needs to be done in it. So showing them that diverse background, showing like how, hey, listen, like I, I have the ability to learn this. I think that was really what was like, oh, wow, the story. I think the story more than anything was what really won them over. Because literally in my in the final interview, I had four interviews that day. And in the final interview, I met with the hiring manager. And I didn't even know I was meeting with him. I didn't know I didn't know he was the hiring manager. Yeah. And then like literally as we get to the end, he's like, all right, so my decision is already made. I want you on my team. Like I, I'm like I'm settled. Like this your story, your entrepreneur experience, like this is this is it. This is what I want wow. for our team, right? Storytelling is so important. <laughs> hey family, it's Joseph here again. Now you have heard me talk about how tech sales has changed my life. I actually want to introduce you to another career that if you decide to go into it, truly is recession proof and that is cybersecurity. Level Careers is a platform similar to Course Careers that's self-paced and allows you to obtain knowledge and ed education in cybersecurity and get this, without prior experience or a degree. That's right. And so you definitely want to get into that. And if you are interested in learning more about cybersecurity, go ahead and click the link below. It's in my description and use my promo code Joseph10. That's right. Use my promo code Joseph10 in order to save 10% off of the purchase price of that course. So without further ado, I'm not going to delay you. Go click on the link, check out the free introductory courses and change your life today. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a theme that I've heard from a lot of people that were able to use leverage storytelling to their to their journey. And I think that one of the things that you also mentioned too is having a growth mindset. It's not like you got there and you're like, oh, I got here. Cool. Let me put my hands up. But you decided mm -hmm. to let, let me keep growing. Let me keep learning. And that came with promotions that came with other opportunities. And so I, I could see that a part about you is that you just want to continue to grow. Like wherever you go, let me grow. Plant me here. Let me grow. And so that, th that is amazing. And speaking of growth, and this is the thing that I'm really getting to talk to you about is you and I are big believers in once you get into tech, the tech industry, it's great, but we're not looking to settle with good or okay. How do we leverage the income that we're making? How do we leverage the resources, the opportunities even to create different unique paths for ourselves financially and specifically to protect our money? That's one of the things that I think that you really are passionate about helping people with. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So what advice would you give to somebody who's like most of the people in our audience right now trying to get into tech, they get the tech bag and now they're like, they're, this is new money for them. They want to spend it all. How would you tell them to operate at this point? Ooh, all right, you're hitting some good points right here, man. All right, so first let's like unpack that a little bit, right? So let's unpack yeah, that. Sir. So we have people who want to work in technology and I'm sure most people who want to work in technology are looking to make a lot of money. That's the main reason why they're switching to technology, whether that's tech sales, pre-sales or whatever it is, whatever engineer role, 
they're wanting to make the sits the the acclaimed sits figures right they want to make that money and what they don't realize is that for some of them it's going to like actually put them in a worse situation than they were in beforehand mm. and some people are actually better off making less money because if you keep the same if you have the same bad habits when you were poor or when you were had less and you bring those same habits into having more money but oh man like, you can really lead yourself into destruction and mm-hmm. right mm. see people so many times man like so many times i've seen people who will get their first six figure job or whatever the amount is they go get a new car they go get them a new bag new purse or something like that they gotta go get a new outfit they go get a high-rise apartment and then job lets them go or just anything like it, they don't realize oh man i over leveraged myself like, the difference between i would say the average person and like people who are like wealthy is like how they look at money so like some people they look at money if it's oh i make more money now that means i can actually leverage more credit oh i got more income now i can like, qualify for more i can take on more credit versus like someone who has a wealth mindset they're like okay i make more money now how can i make this money and make more money and then second like how can i keep more of this money and that's where we break down into that whole concept of structuring your life like a business, right? Where this is something, man. So for me, since I've been 18, I haven't paid, I haven't paid additional taxes to the IRS since I've been 18. In fact, like I've gotten a tax return every year. Now, granted, part of that was because I was like a broke college student, right? <laughs> like in the beginning, <laughs> but so getting to earn income credit. But after that, I realized it was because like I, I had a business. Mm. I always had some kind of business, whether that business uh. made money or not. IRS says that you when you have a business you only have to have the intent of making money only the intent you don't have to actually have to make money at all in fact what i find is that for you people won't claim businesses on their tax returns because they think they needed to make money in the business and you actually almost in a sense benefit more from a tax liability perspective having a loss than you do not right so even if you were working full-time you should have a business because that's going to offset your taxes so we've all mm. heard the more you make, the more they take. When you go from making 40000 to making 100000 you're in a different tax bracket. And if mm-hmm. you're single, you're really getting hit upside the head with, yeah. it, with that because you don't have kids. Don't go out here and have kids just to offset your taxes either. <laughs> don't just get married for the tax purposes either. But like, you're going to get hit really hard, man. It's really learning how to structure your life like a business in a sense. Creating that, what's the idea you're going to have? What kind of LLC? Are you going to establish an LLC? Are you going to be a sole proprietor? And then making sure that you're taking advantage of all the different things that at your job, right? So if there's a if there's a 401k match, you need to be maxing that 401k out. If there's a to make care flexible spending account, or there's another or there's a flexible spending account for medical expenses, you need to be putting aside money for that because you're going to most likely pay. Like you have kids, you're going to pay for a dependent care. Oh right? yeah. Now, if you do take care of a DCFSA or a dependent care flexible spending account. Now you get to take that money pre-tax and put it up. So you're yeah. reducing, the game is to reduce your tax liability. I actually have a book here. It's called The Power of Zero. Mm. And this is how to get to the 0% tax bracket and transform your retirement. So these type of concepts is what I'm talking about, where you want to get to the point where you just aren't paying taxes. Like we hear all the time, oh, Donald Trump doesn't pay taxes. or This person doesn't pay taxes. And the reason is for that is because, and I know I'm talking a lot, but this is really important to me. Yeah. Because... The tax code wasn't made for like average employees. Like you, you're a taker, right? So like, mm. like you, you aren't producing anything. When you're an employer, you're creating jobs. You're stimulating the economy. Or an you, investor, you yeah. Know, you're an investor, right? Like you're contributing. You're adding to it. So the tax code rewards you for that. So when you decide to go and when you have a cell phone bill, your cell phone bill is deductible. When you go on vacation, those are business trips. So you get to go on trips and you get the tax deductible. Then when you drive somewhere. 
as a business owner, you get to actually benefit from mileage deductions. But when you're just an employee, when you go to drive, you just drove. When you go on a trip, you just <laughs> went on a vacation, you just spent money, right? You're a taker, you're a consumer, mm. right? You're, it's consumer. consumer versus producer. And that's mm. why you get hit over the head when you're an employee. Mm. All right, y'all heard it here. <laughs> you heard it from Lee. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> so if you, I want your thoughts, man, on that. If you have some thoughts on what Lee just said, if it was thought provoking to you, or if you know some things about it that you want to add, put in the comment section below right now. Go ahead and put it in the comment section because that is something that a lot of people have probably, some people might know a lot more, a lot about. Some people might have heard this for the first time. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, wait a second. I got questions. I got thoughts. Put it in the comment section below because we definitely want to hear from that. Oh, that was definitely going to be, that's going to, that's going to lead to some conversations right then and there. I know that. I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) I would be remiss if we don't talk about the fact that you and your wife are also not only in business when you guys did notary and real estate and things of that nature, but also in content creation. Can you talk a little bit about the journey that you and your wife took in content creation? So it's funny that you say that, man. So we actually started the journey of content creation. Actually, my journey of content creation probably started well before I, I got married, actually. And I had a blog called Millennial Street Journal. Mm. And uh, my my intent behind that was to become a full-time content creator, full-time blogger, and all this. This is before YouTube was really reigning supreme in the way of doing things. From there, I was like, you know what? I really want to just create. I love to create things. When it comes to content creation, like everything you create, really it outlives you like it continues to exist it lasts forever right and that means it can continue to produce money for you like even right now and i'm sure you can attest to this too as a content creator the the things that you can tap into from a monetization standpoint literally in my sleep i make sometimes 800 dollars before i wake up and that's something i think a lot of people like in our circle are recognizing through affiliate marketing or through brand deals and through other ways google adsense and things like that where they can create this income so me and my wife our first uh content our first youtube channel together was called uh, the married notaries because we were notaries we had our business together we were like a husband and wife team and that's how we marketed ourselves and we uh, no, it was fun it was actually fun it's really hard to produce something when you aren't extremely passionate about it right so we didn't stay consistent in that because we weren't really that passionate about it it just was like something that we created and even now like i would say my content has really evolved in a sense over the past just couple of months from talking about breaking into technology to talking about business and finance and now we decided you know what like we we're going to focus on what we love and that's going to be like our family our faith marriage and entrepreneurship so whatever that kind of means so really in a sense helping people to one look at their lives differently from a marriage perspective from a parenting perspective but even even more also from like their spiritual and their like financial perspective something i said earlier was like can't pass down your job right and what i find is that i talk to people in technology and a lot of people are creating content and no offense to anyone who's creating content this way they're creating content that is motivating people to to break into the technology industry. And that's just the beginning, right? You, breaking in is just the first steps. You have to think beyond working in technology. You have to think beyond working in a job because you don't know. You don't know. I think if anything just showed us the last couple months have shown us with over 50,000, 60, 70,000 people being laid off, yeah. that there's no such thing as security. The only security you really have comes from either your faith in God, of course, for those of us who are believers. Also, you can create security more and more through the things that you produce. 
Yeah. So that's where content creation kind of comes in, which actually is probably one of my favorite businesses for anyone to start at this stage because it's the perfect home-based business, man. Everything you do is, is business. If I drive to Sprouts or the grocery store and I record some content and I delete the video, I just travel for business. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept, man. But it really opens up the doors to a world that you don't really like, just, you just aren't aware of. I think you can speak to that as well yeah. as a content creator, but it's been a great journey, man. Like we, we have some extremely large goals. In the end of it, we want to do it in God's timing. Of course, yep. I don't want to work in my tech, tech job forever. I'm not uh, here to work for AWS and for the rest of my life. And my, my boss knows this, my manager knows this. They know that I'm not, this is not the end all be all. And it shouldn't be the end all be all for anyone. Yep. Truly not saying there's anything wrong with working a job at all. There's nothing wrong with that. But always be thinking about what you can create for your family. I'll end with this. I was talking to another well-known content creator. I'm not going to mention his name right now, but when we talked about this whole thing around creating content, creating your own business and generational wealth, he told me that by refusing to not like to have the build the ability and the skill set to create this content, to create a business, and then be able to leave an inheritance for your children, to be able to have that ability to do that and decide not to do it because you don't feel like it, it's pretty much like looking at your, your kids in the face and saying, hey, I love you, but I don't love you enough to make sure that you're good to go financially, to make sure that you are secure mm. if I pass away. Yeah. Because again, you can't pass down this job. If I leave, great, awesome. Like I, I got a six-figure job in technology. I have all these degrees and I can't pass down none of them to my kids. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm like, you got me a high virtual high five from me over here because <laughs> I talk to people about that all the time. There's one person, I'm not going to mention the name either, but I spoke to them. I said, hey, man, I love what you're doing here. You should consider affiliate marketing. And then the other day they reached out to me like, bro, like I just I'm about to make the X amount of money and I just started doing affiliate marketing, bro. And this is like me, like you said, in your sleep, you're getting this. And so there's so many ways that through content creation, through blogs to, to different resources, you can li literally leverage platforms like YouTube and other forms of social media and be able to make money that, again, generational, you're thinking long-term, this is money that you can either reinvest into content creation, invest into other forms of business like real estate or other things as well. And the goal of it is to create something that will be able to be passed down to your children's children, right? And so we want you to think long-term. This is like the long game, the yes. longest yard. <laughs> think about how far that football has to travel and you have to run. And so that the, the, you're, throwing, you're the quarterback, you're throwing it so that the generation can catch it later down. Boop, thank you. And they and wrote the ball, right? Yeah, definitely. So that's a football analogy for y'all who... For the football, for the football people, right? Yeah, for football you know, people. Uh, Joseph, I gotta say, man, is maybe we don't want to tease this here, but you know what? I'll, I'll let it go. I'm not gonna even bring it up in this one. Just you all deal with the anticipation of what I was going to possibly say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let them sweat a little bit. <laughs> let them sweat. Oh man, some them... stuff on the horizon. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, let, let them sweat. They'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Oh man, but I'll, let me add. Let me to go pivot now to the mindset. So what would be the mindset you would say someone needs to be where you are right now, Lee, and scale to what you're looking to do in the future? What's the type of mindset they need to have? Because it's not easy. When the vision is huge, it's not easy. So can you share? Yeah, for sure. I would say that when it comes to mindset, one, the first part is believing that it's possible for you. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we uh, we think that the, we see other people's successes and we think, oh, that could only happen for them. And there's really no difference, right? Between 
So like really taking away the barriers of like how you identify yourself or how you think the world identifies you. Like it's no secret I'm a black man in America, right? But if I focused on that as a barrier of, oh, I'm a black man in America, they don't want me to succeed, then that could really block me. That can really cap me of what I can create. So seeing yourself as a as a spirit living in a body with a soul, right? And focusing on the fact that there's really no difference. And then we all bleed red. We all mm. are the same. So if you can accept and first transform your mind to believe that it is possible for you, that's the first step, right? Because you know what they say is a man thinketh, right? So is he. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You're right either way. So that would be the first step I would say is like getting out of your way, like getting out of your own way and deciding, hey, you know what? I want this. I still get nervous. I still have imposter syndrome at times in my roles. But what I realize is that my why is so much like bigger than my nerves. And when you get to the point where you've established a very clear vision or a very clear why, as, a, as the good book says, make it plain, write it down so that he who receives it can take it and run with it, right? So yeah. you want to make sure that you're writing this stuff down. You want to write down your plan, you want to write down your vision, and you want to make sure that your why is like bigger than anything that you have. So that way, when things aren't going as fast as you want it to, when things aren't producing as quickly as you want, and you realize like it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So. Mm you'll be able to keep going because it ain't always easy. You know, the grind of being a content creator, the grind of being in the technology, you don't always know what's going to happen that next day. You don't know if people, I create content now. I don't know who's going to watch it. I don't know if anyone, I don't know if anyone's going to watch this right now. I hope so. Right? <laughs> yeah. but you have to not care. You can stop caring about what people think as well. So good. So good. No, it's so funny. I got, I had, it's so funny when you, especially the content creator, people put comments all the time and you get, you might get like 50 comments that are more affirming and positive and then you might get that one that's negative and you're like oh man i should stop doing what i'm doing that one comment and then all you need is that just a reminder of the 50. it's so funny because it's true you have to kind of have a you have to have a determination about you that hey listen i'm not doing this for my first name i'm doing it for my last name this is not just content creation is not just me just wanting to be famous content creation is me about making impact trying to help people but also creating generational wealth at the same time this is such a good conversation that I think a lot of people are going to be looking at again and again, whether it's the financial nugget, the mindset nugget, they're going to look at this again and say, oh, that was good. And so if you were, go, sorry, you going to say something? Go ahead. No, I said for sure. I was just saying for sure. That's right. Absolutely. So again, if y'all watching this and you're like, man, I, I did at least one thing that you're like, oh, this is good. Hit the like button, put yeah. the comments down below and let's have a conversation. I would love to see engagement and people having conversations about these subjects because I think that it will definitely benefit a lot of people, especially if you have an area where you're like, hey, I have expertise on this. I want to talk a little bit about that. Put it in the comment section below. We all want to hear what you got to say, and it makes us all better. So with that being said, thank you, Lee, for joining me and having this conversation. I know a lot of people are going to benefit from it and enjoy. And family, until next time. Like always, <laughs> I hope to see you on the other side. Take care now.